I am here with Joanna because I consider her to be the glorious Steinem of bartenders. Joanna <laughs> has been a tour de force in the bartending scene at Vesuvio and is well-known and well-loved. I'm excited to sit here and talk with her and to hear her stories. My first question is, how long have you actually worked at Vesuvio? I've worked there for about, I think it's 16 years now, last month. Well, happy anniversary. I wasn't there, but it's okay. I will be back when allowed. Yeah, it's been a good run there. It's a nice place to work. I'm the staff manager there, yeah. But I started out there as a cocktail waitress, which is really funny. I was 21, and I had only bartended before. I started bartending in Ireland, actually, when I was 18. And I kind of grew up in bars, so I already had a pretty good feel for it. And I had been bartending at another place that I really didn't like. And I used to go to Vesuvio afterwards and have drinks. And I knew all the people who worked there. And I was just really unhappy in my job. And they asked me if I wanted to work there. And I assumed it would be bartending. And it was for cocktailing. And I had never cocktailed in my life. I had no idea what I was doing. The woman who was supposed to train me didn't show up. I was working with the manager at the time, who's a, a good friend of mine. He was the one who offered me the job. And I basically just had to figure it out. But I was a waitress mainly for the first eight years I was there. Because I bartended, I would still just kind of make my own drinks and things like that. But yeah, I was a waitress for a long time. And waitressing in that place is not an easy job. And I had to learn it pretty quickly. But you said that you grew up in bars. My dad owned a bar before I was born. And then I, as a kid, I'm from Rhode Island and be around a lot of bars. My dad was a music critic and then a, a music journalist and an entertainment journalist for a long time. So we were always sort of in these venues that were a lot more adult. I'd just been in them since I was really young and I always felt very at home. So do you actually have a memory of enjoying being in the bar as a kid? I don't remember this, but apparently when I was really little, I was sitting at a bar with my dad and he was talking to one of his friends and I picked up and like drank half of his beer. But I remember growing up in like bar restaurant kind of situations or my parents being at a bar and us playing pool and like pinball. And this was also the 80s. The rules were a lot different. It was a lot more relaxed. Parents would go to the bar and have a drink with their friends and then we'd walk home and it never felt like a real party situation to me. It was just bars have always felt like a real kind of neighborhood, like gathering place. Well, I had a somewhat similar experience that is both the worst and the best of what you describe, which is that my father was quite the drinker and mm -hmm. he used to bring me to bars, but it was the first time that I met, which of course then we called prostitutes, but now are properly sex workers. He <laughs> would take me to the bar with him but couldn't take me to the bathroom. And so the women who worked in the bar would take me to the bathroom and they were very sweet to me. There's something about stuff like that that I think, although there's the really dark side of it, there's something sort of heartwarming <laughs> about it to me. I still have like a very soft spot in my heart for when kids come in and they have to use the bathroom. I'm always like, well, the ABC wants to get me in trouble because there's a four-year-old who like really needs to go to the restroom. I think I'm going to not really stop them. <laughs> No, I don't have the heart to see like a little kid who really has to go to the bathroom and tell them that, especially in North Beach, there's just really nowhere to go. So why yeah. were you working in Ireland? 
really young, my family went to Ireland and I spent a lot of time in pubs and stuff like that. And I just thought it was great. And everyone was together and singing songs. And I just loved it. I think I was nine. And after that, I started telling people that I wanted to be a bartender in Dublin when I grew up and everyone would just sort of laugh. I was very serious about it. And so I graduated from high school. The day after I graduated, I traveled around Europe. And then the day I got to Dublin, I ended up getting a bartending job. There was a bar that I worked at that was on a corner and there was, the bartender didn't show up. And I was, of course, this very kind of sassy, I don't know, probably just (laughs) had whatever attitude I had as an 18 year old. And I basically said, well, I can bartend over there. They said, no, we don't let women bartend in that part of the bar because it's really dangerous. I'm offering to bartend so you can either have a bartender or not, but you have a bartender standing in front of you. So if you want me to do it, I'll do it. And I actually ended up being one of the first, I think the first female bartender to ever have shifts in that bar. But they were right. I mean, it was definitely a real dicey bar and it was in the four courts in Dublin and people would come in after work and just get really drunk. I couldn't even really go like at glasses because people would just grab you. People would pick you up. Worked with only men and a lot of men that didn't want me there. It was very clear. They don't want you here. They weren't shy. I worked with this guy named Vincent. He was one of those guys who was either 60 or 90 and you really couldn't tell. And he used to just chain smoke behind the bar. And I remember the first time I worked with him. I walked behind the bar and he said, like, what the fuck are you doing here? And I said, oh, I'm bartending with you. And he started laughing. And then he went up to the owner and said, like, get her out of here. They weren't hiding it. I mean, it was very clear. I almost acted as like a bar back that would serve when they were in the weeds. And I think a lot of the men I worked with just sort of noticed that that's what I was doing. And so I kind of kept to myself, but just really worked my ass off. I wasn't going away, but I also wasn't pushing back. I didn't feel that being aggressive about it was the right approach. And I think better to just (laughs) keep a cool head and get it done. There was a guy named Keith who worked in the kitchen and I basically pulled him aside. I'd known him from working in the restaurant bar and he was always really nice to me. And he taught me how to change a keg. I would just do stuff that I think they didn't expect me to do. And I would try to anticipate doing it without them having to ask me. And I think once I kind of proved that I was not only willing to do that stuff, but I knew that that was a part of my job and that I didn't expect to be treated differently, then they started treating me a little bit differently. And again, it was Ireland 20 years ago. It was I could take it really personally and have issues with it, or I could just work really hard and not only prove it to them, but kind of at that point prove to myself. But we ended up eventually getting along and becoming friends. I am the staff manager of Estuvio, but I still feel like as the manager, I always operated under the idea that I'm not going to ask anyone to do something that I'm not willing to do. And there are things that are physically hard for me to do. I mean, I'm like five foot three and there are certain things I just can't do, but nine times out of 10, I can do them and I'm, I'm very willing to. I think any job, you know, you should just work hard and do the best that you can. And I also wanted to say that historically speaking, women legally were not allowed to work in bars in San Francisco until 1975. I know, (laughs) which is insane to me. I want to talk about Vesuvia a little bit because 
Vesuvio happens to be this famous place. So you deal with a whole different clientele, different entire oeuvre of what it means to be a bartender. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to read just this quote to start it off. One of my favorite old man regulars, John from the Mission, just came in to recite me a poem about how monkeys are more civilized than humans. That is all. Yeah, <laughs> I love John. But he'd memorized this poem about how animals, but specifically monkeys, were more civilized. And he comes in and he drinks a brandy meat and a little coffee. And he's just the friendliest guy. He always comes in with some jokes and things like that for me. And I always really appreciate them. And we kind of tell each other jokes. And he's very polite, too. He's a very excellent, ideal customer in that he takes the social cues when you're busy and, you know, he doesn't talk your ear off. He asked me if I had a minute. And he said, I can't be interrupted because I'm going to recite you a poem. And I said, okay, give me like two minutes and I'll be ready. He recited it from memory. And it was not a short poem, just very proudly. And it was this great, it was just one of those great moments of hanging out in the bar on, you know, a Saturday at two o'clock in the afternoon. That's kind of a perk about that bar. I really appreciate, you know, the camaraderie and the neighborhood feel of it. But there's definitely an aspect of that, like literary and that, you know, I want to share this with you. That's sometimes not great, uh, <laughs> to put it mildly. But when you have situations like that, it's just really sweet. It's like very heartwarming. And he's a great guy. He had on a little beanie and he was telling me the poem and he held up his right hand in a very Shakespearean manner. It made my day. Well, because Vesuvio, for those who may not know, is famous for the beat poets going there. Sometimes a double-edged sword in that, which I understand because of the culture surrounding the bar and the beat culture. And it, so in some aspects, I think it's really great because as you know, someone who's worked there for a long time, People will come in and they're very excited to be there and you can just tell that they've read all of these writers and they ask a lot of questions about the writers and I have no problem answering a lot of those questions, but I think it is also a bar so it can be kind of trying on, you know, a Saturday afternoon when you're really busy, but I always try my best to at least answer as many questions as I can or make people feel as comfortable as I can. I wasn't even like alive when those guys were drinking in there, but I know a lot of the stories that have been handed down from people. And most of them have actually, unfortunately, since passed away, but people who worked there. And I like that there's still this draw of that. People go to places for a lot of reasons. And I think going to a bar where your favorite writer is hung out for, or their favorite writer got kicked out of, is a great reason to go somewhere. I did go have crappy beignets in New Orleans because Truman Capote once went there. Yeah. I am that dorky kind of person. Well, my dad took my, my sister and I to Barney's Beanery when we were a kid because it's where Janis Joplin had her last drink. That doesn't need to be all that it is, but that is an aspect of it. And if that's part of the history that you're interested in, then I think that's great. There are certain things like, you know, I don't know where Jack Kerouac sat, drank. I say, I think he drank pretty much everything. Do I answer that question many, many times? Yeah, but it doesn't really bother me. Bartending, there are many more things that you could be annoyed about. 
What is one of the stories that you remember of having the most difficult time? I have many, <laughs> unfortunately. I have to say, I feel like I've been lucky. I have a lot more positive stories, but I definitely, I mean, I have so many. I've been bartending for 20 years. One of the worst things that I've had, my grandmother was in the bar uh, on a Christmas afternoon and a guy tried to like grope her and she was in her 90s. My grandmother was sitting at a table. Guy put his arm around her and tried to like grab her chest. Did everything but jump over the bar and basically just like lost my mind on this guy. And I remember when I said something to him, he said, she's my friend. And I think I like slam my hand on the table and she's my fucking grandmother. I just, you know, lost it. I told the guy he could never come back in, obviously. And they tried to come back in like six years later. And I saw him and was just like, you know exactly what you did. The threat still stands, sir. Not my classiest moment, but no one was being classy. And yeah, and he attacked your grandmother. I support that action because I would have lost it too. This is entirely different, but working at the right spot, where we are in the mission, we get a lot of fallout from people in mental health situations because periodically they release all the people from the local hospital. Yeah, for sure. But this woman came in, she was barefoot, she was well dressed, she had a nice purse. But she was obviously in a state and she came in and she was talking to me about a lot of things. And then she wanted me to kiss her. Yeah. And I was like, okay, um, I'm not sure how to deal with this right now. So I did. I was like, well, I'm going to hug you and I'm going to kiss you. And then I'm going to ask you what you need. Yeah. Because I wasn't sure if this woman had just been recently assaulted. I talked with her a bit. I got her some water. I sat her down, but then she just kept doing it. And then I got busy. So I had to go behind the bar. I said, okay, here's your stuff. And I kept an eye on her. And then I saw her just leaving. So I went outside and she had passed out on the sidewalk. So he had called emergency services to come and take care of her. But because I was busy, I didn't want anybody to fuck with her. So I put right spot chairs around her body and put signs on them that said, if you fuck with this woman, I'm going to kill you. Signed, the bartender. Well, that's the thing that's so interesting about being a bartender, too, I think, is that it really does sometimes toe the line where you're like an EMT, a cop, a social worker, a teacher, a security guard. <laughs> you know, you're all of these things. It can be hard to figure out what the right thing to do is in certain situations. And on top of it, that aside, like you're bartending and it's probably busy and you probably have a bar full of people. That's just something that if you've done the job for a long time, you just sort of problem solve really quickly because you have to, you know, there's, you don't really have the choice or the luxury to figure out a situation. You do what you think is best and then keep going. You got to put out the fire, but you know, everyone still needs a drink. How do you feel being a woman in a power position at a very well-known bar I did have a situation where there was a group, I got there at you know noon, and there was a group of people who had clearly been there all morning, and they'd clearly been there, they'd clearly been up from the night before, and there was one man in the group who was particularly fucked up, but he was also like massive, I'm five foot three, and he kept trying to order drinks, 
and I had just gotten there, you know, it's like Saturday afternoon. And I just said, man, I'm not, I'm not going to serve you anymore. If you want a coffee, if you want a soda water, if you want this, like, that's fine. I realize all your friends are here. I'm not going to kick you out, but I'm absolutely not serving you. And if I see you drink any alcohol, you're going to have to leave. And at first he was like, okay, fine. And I knew he'd been drinking Jameson because the bartender before told me. And then someone ordered a Jameson neat. And I said, is it for that guy? And of course they said no. And then they handed it to him and he drank it. And I went over and took the glass out of his hand. And I just said, okay, well, now you have to go. But he came behind the bar and pushed me. Bitch, like, where are you from? I'm from fucking San Francisco. You can't fucking talk to me like this. And just like really screaming in my face. And I kind of just like let the guy yell. And I think in situations like that, it's hard because you feel threatened. Like this person's like twice my size and he's a man and he's big and, you know, he could definitely do something to me. But I basically just sort of waited for him to finish. And then I just got like right back in his face and was like, no, man, fuck you. Like I just walked in and you're shit faced and I'm just trying to do my fucking job. I haven't even had like coffee yet and I'm having to kick you out you're pushing me like what are you gonna do kick my ass I'm half your size like you will win is that what you want to do like do you want to beat up a woman in front of all your friends and I think there is something about that that is very risky but it's also I feel like if I had been a guy in that situation it probably would have been a fight I don't love that that whole thing like if you want to do something to me it's gonna work but you know don't And of course, after he left and the old bar manager was like, I can't believe you did that. Like, that was so ballsy. And then I like went in the bathroom and cried. I mean, like, fine. It was scary. I was scared. When I first started properly bartending in New York, I had a female bartender. She gave me this bit of advice. Yeah. She said, if there's ever a fight that breaks out in the bar or somebody is threatening you or they're too drunk and they're not listening to you, here's what you do. You take a beer bottle, you smash it on the bar, and you threaten them with it. Yeah. And that seemed so crazy to me. Yeah. But you know what? Five years later, yeah. I remembered her advice. And I used to work at a, it wasn't a biker bar, but it was a bar right next to the Hells Angels Clubhouse. Well, it was men who would come in to want to prove themselves. And there was one that was, intense like there was a brawl about to happen in the bar grabbed a beer bottle full smashed it against the bar and as soon as I did that everything calmed down and ended and I think part of it was the shock of the sound and then also who is this crazy bitch bartender that's always my big thing it's like the one thing I don't I don't like is when things become violent and I'll sort of do whatever I can to make sure that that doesn't happen. But if it does, I've got 50 bottles behind me and they're full and I have an okay arm. But my experience is, like I said, overall, I feel like I've had many, many more really nice, like great experiences than the negative ones. There are negative ones, but a lot of them are even just sort of funny bragging rights. Have you ever been proposed to? I have, yes. Famously, Roy Motini, who passed away several years ago, but a lot of people know him as the best dressed man in North Beach, schizophrenic, and he had been given electric shock treatments. He and I were just like buddies, and I I really loved him. And we used to tell everyone in North Beach that I was his girlfriend. 
And then he decided that he was going to propose to me every time he saw me. Roy proposed to me probably at least 50 times, which was a great honor for me. I declined, but it was very nice and I appreciated it. Direct quote from you, me. Hi, how are you? Adorable old woman. I'm looking for the John. And then my heart exploded. Yeah, I totally remember that woman. She walked in and she was tiny. She came up to the bar and I said, how are you? And then she just very to the point, like, I need the John. Oh my God. First of all, I love it that you called the John. Second, I love that you like didn't even really say hello back. She actually came back later and was drinking. We have a thing called the recession special. That's a half a Budweiser and a shot of well whiskey and was just like talking shit. I think she actually used the term, I'm getting ripped to the tits. And I was like, oh my God, I love you. I had a woman in her 80s, very elegant. She came in, she swept into the bar, flanked by two adoring young gay men. And she ordered a martini with one olive. A little while later, she ordered another martini, but she insisted that I kept the first olive and put a second one on it. And then a third. And then she turns to me and she said, you know, honey, do you know why I do that with my olive? Then I know how many I had. And she swept back out. And then just like right out the door, like a goddamn hurricane. There's this whole culture of that that's just so fucking cool. There's one guy who comes in and he always asks for a finger of well scotch. But if it's not what he considers to be a finger, so it's either always high or low to him. The first, I think, few times it was too much. And he's like, no, you got to pour that out. The terminology of it and the whole practice of it, I just think it's so fucking rad. And I, I give older people so many more allowances than I do anyone of any other age bracket. I will put all the ice in your vodka soda for six hours because it's going to take you that long to drink it. That's fine. You've seen war. What have I done? Let me fill up your eyes for you. Is there a particular story that you remember that is one of your favorite moments of being a bartender? The most recent one was this girl came in and she looked pretty upset and she ordered a martini and she was sitting at the bar. She looked like she needed a minute. And she had just found out that her mother had had this like routine surgery and she didn't fly home for it. And her mother had passed away during the surgery. And she found out while she was in city lights books and then came over and she just like really lost it. And I then of course started crying back in the bar because I just felt so awful for this woman. I obviously paid for like her drinks and was just like, just stay here and, until you're ready to leave. I don't know. I always wanted to be like a teacher or a social worker. I feel like bartending, I kind of can do the social worker aspects of being just like helpful and kind. And that was just one of those moments where I was really happy that I could be there for her, like in this really shitty moment and that she hadn't gone to a place where if she'd walked into the bar crying, no one would have taken the time to ask her if she was okay. Or I still like to think of bars as places where people just go to be together. And even if you don't drink, everyone needs some help sometimes. And I think that it's really easy to tell a stranger something really horrible. And when I can like be the stranger and just kind of listen. 
there are times in my life where I would prefer to go to a bar where I know people and talk about something that I'm going through rather than my friends. Because I want to just have that little moment. Yeah. And I don't want it to become a big thing. I just need to express what's going on with me right now. And then I'm good. When I was a little kid, I said that I wanted to be a bartender. And I think I went to school to study other things. But plan was always to be a bartender, at least for a while. I think that there are a lot of things about bartending that I I actually really enjoy. Like I really love my job and I don't dread going to work. And I don't know many people who can say that they genuinely like their job. And I really do. I'm in a place I've been for a long time, but I've also worked at the right spot. I've worked at Bottom of the Hill. I've worked at other places. I think a lot of the other careers that I had thought about, I mean, I thought about teaching and doing social work and things like that. But I think the common denominator in all that is that I just really like people and I'm really interested in people's stories. And I'm, you know, I'm a writer, I'm school for writing. And I think when you work in a bar, it's like your favorite situation is to be able to be at work and do this thing that you love that's getting you, you know, you're moving around, you're not just sitting there. But then you also get like this confetti of people that you would never normally get to interact with. I can be bartending when I'm 75 years old. Like I would love to do that. I think it would be great. And just hang out with people and talk to them. And I think the whole making drinks thing, like I work in a bar that's really busy. I have to be good at that. I have to be on top of it. And I've been doing it a long time and that's not a problem. But like my favorite part of my job is just kind of like talking to people and seeing especially at Vesuvio it's like you just meet people from all over the world and you see where they're from and you see what they're doing and you know it's fun to feel like you're a part of just someone else's experience and then they're very much a part of yours do you have a favorite worst review so this is gonna sound extremely snobby because it just is but I Somehow, in the age of Yelp, I only have ever received one bad Yelp review because it was a World Series situation. There were people upstairs. They were watching the Dodger game. A lot of people and regulars sitting at the bar and they were waiting to watch the Giants game. So I turned it on and this group of people, they were in... Not the lady psychiatrist booth, which like hangs over, but the John Wilkes memorial booth, which is like the one that you can see the TV from upstairs. They just started screaming at me over the bar. And they were like, turn the fucking TV back on. And I was like, whoa, what? I hadn't been watching the doctor. I'm going to stop you. There's a John Wilkes booth memorial in the upstairs. John Wilkes memorial booth. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, that's kind of like what we call it. Or that's what I call it area on the end of the bar like kind of by the closet is village of the damned like i don't we all have these like weird names for tables i love it yeah this is what we call them but so they started yelling at me over the balcony finally like kept kept doing it and i was like look i don't like i don't really know what to tell you guys like we're watching the giants game right now I think I said something like, well, you know, if you wanted to watch the Dodger game so badly during the World Series, you probably should have stayed in L.A. 
And the bartender reserves the right to yeah, be a bitch. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I had a, a bar full of people that were there to watch the Giants game. And like, and I did say, if you want to talk to me about it, come downstairs and talk to me about it and we'll figure it out. Um, so they wrote this review that they'd been sitting there watching this game and then I turned it off, but that I was an asshole about it. But the best part of the review, and they said I called them typical Dodger fans, which I did. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't inaccurate aside from the fact that they didn't say that they were like screaming at me and calling me a bitch over the balcony. But they said that they were later told that I was the manager and that they would never, something like they could never see a manager of an establishment acting that way. But they spelled manager, M-A-N-G-E-R. And then I just kind of felt fine about it. I was like, manger? Okay. We're just going to have a pause about that. Yeah, the manger. I was actually almost hired by you to be one of the cocktail waitresses. I had already been a bartender for quite some time at that point. So I was a little snotty and I was like, I don't want to be a cocktail waitress. I didn't want to do it, but I would have loved to work there. But what I loved is that you hired Nora. I booked her when I was doing the cat's pajama shows at the makeout room. And she was so sweet showing up with her beautiful poetry and her little horses. And she is such a delight and such a wonderful person. And so you have hired really great staff. You've not only cared for who can be a good worker for the bar and the environment, but also people who are full of spirit and hope. We've had some really great moments in the bar. I mean, for example, like Nora, we had the, I guess it was the 70th anniversary. I wrote a, you know, speech and Nora read a poem that was like really beautiful. And I think we've been really lucky with people like Nora and people who work there and people who are regulars there who have written things either about the bar or in the bar. I have regulars who come inside and they get a coffee or a beer or whatever and they sit upstairs and they just write and they sit and hand write in the window for a couple hours and then they meet like their girlfriend or their friend or they don't meet anyone and then they move down to the bar once they're done like working and it's nice that people still like to go in there and write. So I just have one more silly question for you. Sure. What is your favorite drink? If I'm going to go somewhere and have a cocktail, I usually have a Tito's Gibson, but with no vermouth. That's my class go-to. And if not, I usually drink wine or like really shitty beer. To write is perchance to dream. And maybe one day you can go and have a drink at Vesuvio. Thank you for listening. And we wish you all a very good night.
branch, repair branch, rattling branch, branch the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bug and the bug down in the valley. Rare 